Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Today's guest is Carnivore Mike Foxtrot. He's a disabled combat veteran healing through a carnivore lifestyle. You can find Carnivore Mike at Carnivore Mike Foxtrot on Instagram. Please enjoy. Carnivore Mike. Ethan, how's it going, man? Hey, brother. Welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Just so that everybody knows, because the Tom Kyer episode was such, was, I mean, truly one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done and got such a positive response because it had things in it that people could put into their lives immediately. So I just want right. to just take a second and I want, I want to get your whole story, but you are, I know you through Tom, you're one of Tom's guys. So I just love to hear about your relationship with him and, and things that you've picked up that you've used from him. And then I want to go back and start with the beginning of your story that I know, because I find it to be utterly fascinating. All right. Uh, so I met, I met Tom through a friend of mine and I was an undercover cop, ended up going through a course that Tom was putting on. And it was a, like a, a, a it was a course for low profile undercover type guys. Uh, and this would have been way back in the nineties. And I don't remember the exact year. We just really hit it off, and there was a part of the class where, at the end, the role player that he had was in a, a padded suit, and they had what was called a shock knife. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's basically a fake knife that is a taser. So if it touches you, it's the same as getting tased by a, a taser gun. Right, like we, and, when we train with... When we do edged weapons training, we use dulled 
blades. And in fairness, you know, and even in some, I haven't um, had a mortal wound like this, but in some of the videos I've watched on use with edged weapons, you can watch people get stabbed and not realize they've been stabbed. So in training with adrenaline, if you're using just a dulled knife at speed, you might not even know it's touching you. Right. And, and then you have the, I got you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Right. And so this, right. this is used to mitigate that. Like, you know, it touches you, right. you know, you've been touched. This totally, totally mitigates that. You, you know, it will actually, uh, they say it won't, but it will burn you or at least give you some marks and burns if it's held on you long enough. Right. So the, the role player, you, you, at the end of the, the course, you're going to use the technique that has been taught to you. and he produces the blade, and I go right into this uh, hollow-out palm strike that he had taught, and I buckle the role player's knees. The role player comes back all pissed off because I just hit him so hard, uh, and then he attacks me with this shock knife. And even though, like, so the scenario is kind of over, but we're still really going at it, but he's in a suit being protected, and I have nothing on other than just you know, the, the techniques that I know. And anyway, anyways, we just end up in assholes and elbows fighting on the ground and fighting over this shock knife. And Tom just, Tom loved just, it. He loved it. He just loved it. You know, I was all in and just laughing at the end and, and, you know, probably a little bit bloody. The, the guy was bloody and we were, we became really good friends as well. And we just hit it off from there on out. He had a hat on that I really liked. And I just said, Hey, I really like that hat. And he immediately just took it off and gave it to me. Yeah. And, you know, that's just how, that's just how Tom is. Um, that's just how Tom is. He gave it to me. And then we just became, we just like on the playground when you're little kids. Hey, I'm Tom. Hey, I'm Mike. Hey, want to be friends? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, had, to, I uh, had to learn the hard way to stop <laughs> telling Tom that I like stuff. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Yes. That is, I don't do it anymore because yeah. he'll, he'll give it to you. Right. Um, so that, and then over the years, uh, you know, as we get to my story, I, I, I changed jobs and went into a very high threat job that Tom's mentoring and teaching and, and the PSYOC way, the PSYOC tactical group way saved my life in, in many ways. And I, and, and I know you, you know, a lot of this, but not always on the battlefield, sometimes on the battlefield, but sometimes in preparation to be on the battlefield. It saved my life. And, uh, you know, the logic of th thinking, LOT training, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how in-depth you want me to go right at the beginning, but... No, I think now, that, I yeah. mean, this may be a good point to jump back and start with with your whole journey. So let's go back to the beginning. Like, when you were okay. a young kid, what was life like? Okay. So my, I, I will sum up my life with, with this, my daughter says, my daughter basically says that I am Forrest Gump. <laughs> uh, I, I am a regular guy that should not have ended up or done anything that I did. Everything I did was by accident and it just worked out. So I, I, when I was growing up as, as a teenager, I was a severely obese, overweight, 300 plus pounds. I remember I was so heavy at one point. I had to be weighed at the feed store because your normal household scale wouldn't wouldn't weigh me. And you know, this was in the eighties. So if if uh, you know, back then, you know, overweight kids weren't as common as they are today. So it was pretty brutal. Um, 
you know, it's all for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And, and I truly believe I am who I am because of that adversity, which is great. Now I can look back and think that was great. And you it, know, it, is, world- it is funny how that happens, though, because I I have conflicting thoughts in this sometimes going because I was also severely obese and had multiple instances where like the hospital scales couldn't weigh me and. Uh, I had to buy at one point we had to buy basically an industrial freight scale to weigh me. And, and I remember, and I, and I, I often will go back and forth with like, what if I had altered my course at 10 or altered my course at 15 or altered it at whatever versus waiting as long as I did to alter it. And then I, and then at the end of the day, I always come to like, I'm, I'm relatively happy with where I am now. And, and like that, that was just my path. So I altered it when I did, I took the actions I deemed necessary as soon as I understood them and, and was able to, and did it. And I'm so glad I did, but like the whole journey, it's all part of it, basically all part. Right. And I think, you know, it's, it's easier and when you have that mindset training now as, a, as an adult, that mindset training to realize, hey, whatever you're dealt with, that's what you're dealt with. And you can't fix this by going back in time. So handle it. Right. And, and you know, that's, that's a key, you know, vision to have on really anything you're dealing with. Um, I remember I was so heavy that I begged my parents uh, to play soccer. And so my mom takes me to play little league soccer and the shirt did not fit me. It was so bad. She had to go to the fabric store and cut up the sides and get fabric as close to possible to match just so that I could have a shirt, you know, to wear. So, uh, Yeah. And, and you think the hazing and the bullying, uh, probably again, while I'm successful today, uh, the hazing and bullying was, yeah, it was unbearable probably for most. Right. Um, so anyway, I, was, I wasn't a good student, you know, back then I had, you know, I had ADHD, but I just had students say, now we know that, but my, I had parent, uh, teachers just say, you know, you're just fat and lazy. Literally I had teachers tell me that I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm trying. I remember like every September. I would be like, this year is going to be different and I'm going to study and get good grades and play sports. And, and it just, it just didn't, just didn't work out that way. It just wasn't, wasn't my story that to happen that way. Um, and I remember, uh, I was on the school bus and it was later, it was later in my, my teen years and we, passed by this store and it was called highs. And I don't, I don't know that that was just a, a, a location store if it was all over the U S but it's like a seven 11. And I remember, uh, passing by that store and in the parking lot, there was these groups of kids that had previously graduated from high school. They were in these groups lumped together with other high school kids. And I remember thinking to myself, if you don't get your shit together, that's where you're going to be hanging out in the highs parking lot. I ended up going to see the uh, recruiters in the, um, the Marine Corps who I wanted to join. I was so heavy. They wouldn't even talk to me. 
And they were like, you're like 150 pounds. We can't even talk to you until you lose 150 pounds, 147 pounds, whatever it was. Uh, so I, I just made up my mind right then. I remember very close to that time frame. I woke up, I had a pair of old Chuck Taylors. I put the old Chucks on and just started walking. And that was my thing. I would just go walk for hours and hours. I lived way out in the country. And I would just walk and walk and walk. And then I started trying to do push-ups. Um, and at some point, I had lost enough that I could start the process with the Marine Corps. They believed in me enough that, uh, you know, that, hey, this kid's going to do it. He's going to lose the weight he needs to lose, and we'll talk to him. So I took the ASVAB. I did really well on the ASVAB, surprisingly. What, what's the ASVAB? Sorry. So that's the... That's the entrance test to get into the military. And I, I, I wish I could remember exactly what the, the letters are for, but it's, it's the entrance exam with all types of questions, whether it's math or, you know, um, logical thinking questions, that type of thing. And then the score based off of that score is the job you get or what, what type of field you can go into. Okay. So I had failed a bunch of classes throughout my high school career. And by the time I got it together, I was missing credits. So I had to go to summer school to get those final credits. And I remember I was sitting in summer school and I was like, man, this is ridiculous. Like, I just need to go go on to boot camp and knock this out. So I ended up quitting school and I go to the Marine Corps recruiter to tell him, hey, I'm free. I quit school. And he's like, well, you're a dumbass because... I can't, you have to have a high school diploma to join the Marine Corps. And I'll never forget it because the Navy recruiter, uh, and you know, Navy's known for being pirates. This old salty chief leans back in his rickety chair and says, well, depending on your score on your ASVAB, I can take two people with no high school diploma if you agree to take your GED while you're in the Navy. And my score was high enough and, uh, so I was in. So next thing I knew, uh, you know, I, I was a sailor. I joined the Navy. That's kind of how I ended up, you know, in the military. But it took me, you know, it took me quite a while to drop all that weight just to get to, I think it was like, I had to weigh like 240 or something like that to just to go to boot. So you had and to so, cut one, 150 pounds basically was, got you to 240. Right. Ish, yes, somewhere around there. I don't remember the exact numbers. I want to say at my highest, I weighed 373, somewhere around in there, I think. So I'm off on my math a little bit. Uh, but I think it was like 240, 236 was the weight I had to be just to go to boot camp. Wow. Um, and I did that just all of my, uh, you know, my, my mother took me to this old school doctor and he gave me this diet and it was like, two pieces of bologna and a dry piece of toast for lunch, uh, you know, a hard-boiled egg and a dry piece of toast for breakfast. So it basically was the starvation diet uh, to, to just, you know, and it was old school. And, and that's what I followed, man. I just, I was determined just to figure it out on my own and press forward and, and get out before I ended up as a screw up in jail or, you know, sitting in the highest parking lot right don't go anywhere we'll be right back you know i really took on i really you know 
went after that fitness. And this is why, man, I'm endeared to you because I, 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 and I told you this the other day, I think when we talked at one point for a couple minutes, like your story is kind of like mine, kind of like I, I had the bug of fitness now and I wanted to be in better shape and uh, I still didn't know what I was doing, but I ended up probably down around 210 by the time boot camp was over. And, you know, I had dreams like everybody else. You always run into people that want to go in the Navy and they want to be a Navy SEAL. That was my goal. But uh, I was colorblind, so I, I couldn't I couldn't be a SEAL. Now, I do know people that get the answers to the test back in the day. They would give them the, you know, here's the numbers that you're going to see. Just say these numbers and you can, you'll pass the colorblind test. Um, but I didn't have that benefit. And again, that's one of those things. Who knows what would have happened if I went that route. And I went a pretty cool route without going the, the, the Navy SEAL route. Do you want me to keep going with that? or? Yeah. I mean, all, 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 all of this is fascinating. Like right. the fact that you you had a goal, you 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 followed it, you stuck to it. And and really with, with no education, you know, right. this, this is like right. all of everything you've just said to me so far is like white knuckling it. Somebody says, do this. <laughs> and you're like, right. okay, this is what I'm doing, which for me is pretty much the same way my journey began was me going like, help. Okay. This person says, here's an option. I'm just going to do that. And, and I did that. And then, you know, there was obviously other stuff that I learned eventually but i think it it really required just that little bit of of like i'm lost i need just somebody to tell me what to do for a minute before i get my feet under me and right. start taking over for myself i i i love that that's part of it right the the whole underdog thing yeah uh so i i continued on that path man and i I just ended up in these positions where like these cool jobs or these cool opportunities came to me. I, I ended up, uh, you know, I, I passed the test to go to buds. I'd gotten into that good of shape. I passed the test to go to buds and they were like, but you're colorblind. Um, so I ended up at, in a helicopter squadron and desert storm kicks off. And they're basically like, and, and back then, and I, I don't, uh, the Navy's a little different now, but back then you had a main job you did, and then you picked up these little side jobs that you would do because there weren't enough people. And especially in something like a helicopter squadron, because they couldn't take everybody on the helicopter. So you may be a mechanic or an, an engineer, electronic engineer, or the supply guy, or whatever the case may be, but then when it came to helicopter time, you had to be able to do stuff on the helicopter to hold your weight to get you on the bird. And it was like, hey, who can shoot a gun? And well, I mean, I was a country boy, had been shooting for, you know. So next thing you know, I'm this over or underrated whatever door gunner during Operation Desert Storm. Uh, and we were attached to a SEAL team, taking SEAL teams in and out and and I uh, ended up getting in combat, combat action uh, medal winner, and just a crazy, again, that's like the, the Forrest Gump story, like, uh, you know, on a ship where then it gets attacked by um, mines and these uh, fast boats with, you know, explosive devices and the, these crazy stories that ended up, you just never would have expected it 
for a guy like me. Right. Um, and you know, then I, I was on the, I was on a ship. There was a huge, huge explosion. Uh, a bunch of my teammates were killed. Um, we fought that fire for several hours. I got, you know, awards and medals for that. You know, people died on that. So that again, my story is not the story that you know we're going to end up with. That's why I'm kind of like, it's not the most important part of this. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, where, where we end up at the end. <clears throat> um, and then my time goes by with, you know, through desert storm. And after that, and I come home on leave on uh, kind of like anyone that was kind of in, in the combat arena or who had done anything kind of, uh, you know, hostile or you know, with the stress, they kind of let us go home for a little bit of time, come over like two or three weeks. And I run into someone that's uh, in law enforcement that I know. And they're like, Hey, we're, uh, we're going to be looking for more cops. And I think you fit in perfect Would you know, would you like to be a cop? And so my time was running out in the Navy. I was coming up on my four year enlistment. And, uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to get out and be a cop. So I came home and become a police officer. And I, I did that about t- total, it was about 15 years. And even there as a, as a police officer, Man, I did everything. I was undercover narcotics. I was on the DEA task force. I was a SWAT team commander. I have probably hundreds, maybe a thousand real world entries as a SWAT guy, you know, kicking in doors and going into houses. Uh, real world hostage, hostage rescue, where we end up having to kill the hostage taker. Uh, have a couple others where we rescued the hostages and did not have to kill the hostage taker. Um, you know, one where, a partner and I was brand new on the SWAT team and we were some of the first two guys to get there. Uh, this, this father had taken his wife and children hostage. And so we get there and the the SWAT team commander was like, you and you, I need you to sneak up and get as close to the house as you possibly can and see what you can see. The snipers are going out as observation, but they're not in position yet. So we sneak up to this house. It's in the middle of the night, like three in the morning. And we sneak up, can't see anything. All the lights are kind of off. And the sniper gets him in position. And he says, Hey, I can see him in the addition. And he's asleep sitting in a chair. He has a high powered rifle across his lap, but he's asleep. Uh, A bottle of booze was on the table. And so the team commander says, can you two sneak into the house and get the mom and kids out? And uh, I see this guy every once in a while. And we joke that it was like Scooby and Shaggy. Like, we're not sure which one was Scooby or Shaggy, like holding the other one shaking uh, in that house. But we snuck in and uh, I walked up and covered down on the hostage taker while he was sleeping. And my teammate went upstairs and grabbed the wife and it was three or four small kids and escorted them out and then we backed out of the house and then it turned into a barricade situation which is a totally better situation to deal with than a hostage situation yeah um and and uh you know in multiple stories like that over my 15 year career you know as a SWAT guy just stories that you just wouldn't you know I forget about a lot of them and then my wife will remind me or we'll find a newspaper article or something stuck somewhere in the house. And then we 
we go back, you know, and we remember these, you know, these different stories that just amazing stories that, uh, I've had such a blessed life to be a part of those type of things. And then nine 11 happens and then nine 11 happens. And so I'm about six years out from retirement. But let, let, let I, me ask you, go ahead, go ahead. everything sure. you've said so far too, you're maintaining like your weight. It seems like you've gotten it figured out. You're, you're, you've now got as a part of your lifestyle, you're a very active guy. All of the things right. that you're talking about require a certain amount of athleticism. So, yes. so is yeah. that it is now food and nutrition is not really something you're thinking about at this point? So, no, I would say it's the exact opposite. Well, number one, and I'm sure you're going to relate to this. It doesn't matter what you do. You're still the fat guy in your head. It doesn't matter how ripped, how strong, at least for me, uh, I can't, you can't shake that guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm doing, uh, through this whole kind of lockdown quarantine thing, I'm doing maintenance. And so I'm not, I'm neither gaining or losing weight. The fluctuation is basically two pounds either side of my weight when I started maintenance. So it's, it's like a, a four or five pound swing that goes in both directions, you know, almost daily. And nothing is kind of harder psychologically because when it goes up, I I've, it's like I've gained 50 pounds and when it goes down, it's like, okay, I'm okay. I'm going to live through, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. But a- yeah, absolutely. I completely relate. I think, yeah. I think that that is just kind of our lot in life that we're going right. to be thinking thoughts like that to some degree, no matter what. And I think for me, what it ended up being is I didn't realize this then, but I, I was focusing that like a gun to find this is this at least this is what I think my wife told me she thinks subconsciously I'm finding these jobs that require these crazy PT tests that no one would ever think I could have passed or done and somehow by the grace of God skin of my teeth I'm passing these PT tests <laughs> I'm passing these qualifications of the shooting or or whatever was thrown at me. And I really think that the, you know, going back to what we said at the beginning, you know, being heavy was a blessing because I never let my foot off the gas. I don't, you know, I wouldn't let myself, uh, you know, think, oh, I'm good. You know, I, 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 and at the end of the story, I'll tell you about, I went to a place, you know, from my PTSD, from all of this, and there's more to it. I went to a place called Boulder Crest Retreat. Um, and mission 22 came alongside me and got me to that place. But my mentor at Boulder Crest Retreat, Virginia, his name is Paul. It's this, it's one of those things where you hear these things. And I know you've heard them from Tom Kyer as well. It's like, ah, there's so much clarity. And he said, when you fight for balance, people think that's a destination, but balance is a fight itself. So once you get there, you're still not done because what is balance? It's fighting from left to right, just like there's four or five pounds left or right of where you want to be. You're, you're continuously fighting for that balance. Right. And that was so much clarity to me, uh, looking back over the years. And that's really what all of this is. It's a fight for balance and you can never let your guard down because you're, you're, you're going to go out of balance. Yeah. Um, 
so yes, I kind of, you know, still, I didn't understand. Yes. I'm, I'm fending off, you know, the fitness I'm, I'm doing well, but I didn't understand my unhealthy relationship with food. Uh, and that, you know, that's eye opening. And I, and I know you get this, uh, it's eye opening once you figure that out that you have an unhealthy relationship with food. I grew up in a Southern family where when you ate breakfast, you thought about what you were going to eat for lunch. And when you ate lunch, you thought about what you were going to eat for dinner and how could you celebrate? And, you know, it just, it was, you know, not, that's not a healthy relationship. Um, later in life, I kind of figured that out. Uh, so yeah, so I, nine eleven happens and, you know, I see, I see these people I know that just, are giving up everything to, you know, go serve 9-11. And I started looking, I felt the tug. I was like, man, I need to get back in the game. I just, all these people are going, I want to go. So I didn't go right away because I just didn't find the right, the, the right option. And again, I was just in the right place at the right time. And somebody I knew that, that knew my background and knew my hostage rescue and high threat skills was like, Hey, uh, I know this position and we're looking for people like you. Can you go do this? Um, and I, I had to do it. You know, I had, I just felt like all these other people. And I really believe that, you know, I still believe we're still at war and we've forgotten that. Um, and I had to go, I couldn't just sit back while all these other people were going. And I kind of felt like my story as, as law enforcement had ended anyway. And uh, I was six years away from a full retirement and uh, I dumped it and I was like, let's, let's go, let's step out and do this. And the wife supported it and, um, probably have, I probably have 1800 days and counted it to the day in Afghanistan, wow. um, sometime in Iraq. And, uh, this is all post nine 11, all post nine 11. Yes. Um, you know, early, I did some of the early days when it was the wild, wild west, and then it progressed, you know, uh, not as bad towards the end, but, uh, yeah. And I uh, took, took a beating mentally and physically. You know, I also go back to, you know, when I was a SWAT guy, cause I'm going to lead into like the, the TBI and brain, the concussions that are, you know, guys get, um, we used to stand in a circle and this was way back in the, the days when people didn't understand what we were doing, but we would drop flashbangs in the middle of the circle with no hearing or eye protection to try to get used to flashbangs. And it was this old tough guy mentality. Um, but man, the, the percussion and the concussions, you know, I'm sure all of us received just from doing that. When you hear about like the kind of the first instances of shell shock are kind of like post World War One, a lot of it is just the concussion from the boom, that repeated pressure shock wave hitting your brain. It's not good for you. Right. And they just, you know, scientifically, medically, or they just didn't say it. They didn't know. And you, you can watch slow motion explosions from a distance, you know, the recordings. And you can see that the concussion, that wave has no, there's no fragmentation or flames or anything. It's just this wave that is the, uh, that creates that concussion. Um, and, you know, we were the vehicles and they're discovering this now, a lot of the brain injuries, the soldiers, whoever's in these vehicles. 
they're fine soft tissue wise, but the, that concussion from the, the wave of the explosion is repeatedly, you know, and they rack, you rack these up, especially as guys go more and more and longer trips and, you know, and, and rack those trips up. Um, yeah, it takes, it, it takes its toll. And I think, you know, the NFL, you know, diving into that has helped that kind of come to light, you know, those concussions that this, it, that those guys are getting and everybody's different. You know, I remember, uh, pretty good when I took a uh, suicide bomber, he, he set himself off a couple vehicles away. And, uh, I, I just remember that I had a metal taste in my mouth and in my ears and like, I just, everything, it was just this weird feeling I had never felt before. Um, uh, and then there was an IED. We turned just as it went off and we felt that from behind. So it's just, and it just happens over and over. There's so many people that have been getting them for years and years. Now, some people get them and they're just, you know, they're knocked out. They're unconscious in a coma. It takes, you know, months, however long. Some people, they never recover. But there's also people that have, you know, received these blasts for years and years. And now they're starting to determine that, you know, that quite a bit of damage was done, uh, stacked, stacked upon each other. Okay. So it starts with you and your guys kind of trying to prep yourself and you're, and you're kind of setting these things off on purpose, but then it sounds like with, with that many days kind of in country, you're also getting a lot of live, live action. Right. Right. Yes. So then, explosive breaching, explosive breach. You know, we're doing blowing doors off the hinges. You're right there, like you stand. You're standing right next to it, pretty much. I mean, they've changed it a lot now. There's different safety measures, but a lot of times you're right there and you clack it off. And what what is kind of is anything? I I mean, I feel like we're still. You know, I, I think about like boxing, MMA, football. Like it's being kind of talked about. Certainly, I think you know with with the little kids who are who are playing sports like this they're not allowed to like head headshots are kind of off limits but you're still getting rattled around in the military are there precautions being taken now as of today you know i mean to, to a degree there are um i think the one of the main things they're instituting is a mandatory tbi brain scan checkup for anyone that's involved in any type of an explosion um, that uh, currently right now, the problem is it's kind of died off. Like, you know, we're just not as operational as we used to be over there. Um, and a lot of the military units have pulled out. So it's, and they also don't, they don't know what's the timeline. What's the shelf life from that explosion you were in 10 years ago? Like, what does it do to the, you know, the brain, how long does it take before those effects show up or something else happens when you're home that triggers it, you know, um, whether it's stress or, you know, any number of things. Um, you know, I know guys, they thought they had a stroke and it ended up being some TBI. They had been in some type of explosion years before, and then just something triggered it. And, um, you know, the brain's such a powerful, powerful thing with the rerouting and how you go around it, and just force your way and force your way through it. Um, and just reprogram guys, just reprogram it. Um, and you know, the, 
the answer that a lot of people have is they throw medicine at it. And I don't have that exact number, but I want to say it was quoted to me as like 27% of people that increases the chance of suicide by taking any of the meds for PTSD or some of the brain injuries or, um, it increases, it increases what the brain does and the depression and anxiety. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the biggest answers they have. Right. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And so were you diagnosed with this? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I didn't, I did not go for the full, I did the blood pull and the panel, but I didn't do the full on radio, you know, the, the, where you, I can't, I, I sorry, man, I'm, I'm skipping the name of it, but it's where you get the actual radiation. Because right. um, basically their answer was, there's nothing we can do, no matter how large or how small we see it. Uh, there's nothing we can we can't do anything for you. Like uh, there is some, there is some. The, I mean, it's not the parabolic chamber. I always call it that, but it's the dive chamber. They are having some success treating guys with the. It's the same chamber they use for divers that. Um, to oh, to off put the bends. the bends right. right. Yes, but. Like a decompression chamber. Yes, yes. But to be able to get to one of those and then have the money or the insurance to cover it, like, again, and there's just thousands, hundreds, however many guys have it waiting in line to get that kind of treatment. Right. Um, And for me, again, you know, the whole point of where we're going to go with this is that, you know, I want to support Mission 22 and Boulder Crest is, you know, Mission 22, just, again, I fell into someone that, got me help through mission 22 um and life-saving i mean life-saving and they're you know these organizations are saving people every day by coming alongside of them when no one else can and there's just yeah there's no one else out there to come alongside them how do you how do you end up there so uh so again i i was hitting the road for about i don't know 12 years something like that 11 years you know, traveling to Afghanistan, you know, people mistake what they, th- what PTSD is. So for some guys it is like, Oh, like I had to hurt people or kill people and they're tore up about that. But really for most, that's not what 
PTSD is. It's just your left and right limits are different over there. And they're so much more different than when you're home. It's really hard to operate inside a normal environment. You know, it's hard to go from what you do over there on a day-to-day basis and come back here to a white picket fence and put on the soccer cleats and take the minivan to soccer practice. Right. And it's just, you know, there's a, you know, a lot of people, they critique the movie called Hurt Locker because it's not realistic or whatever. But there's a scene in the movie Hurt Locker where he comes home and he goes to get cereal. And the reason it resonates with me is because I've been that, I've come home and had to go get something. And you just like, you look at the cereal aisle and there's hundreds of choices of cereal. And you're just kind of like, really? Like, like I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like, how not to, you know, drive my car into a tree some days. And now there's all these choices of cereal. Right. And uh, it it just, again, for, for different guys, and most of the guys I know, it's just, you just don't fit in. You don't feel normal. You're not that same person. You just can't go back and be that, that same guy that you were when you left. Um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a combat guy or you never left the wire. There's still people like, your base is getting shelled every night or mortared every night. And it doesn't matter if you're the supply guy or you give haircuts, like you're still going to bed every night and the hooch next to you gets hit by a mortar, you know? And, and so you just, that adds up over time and it's hard to come home and, and, you know, just be normal. You know what? There's a, a movie from the, I don't know, the eighties or nineties. And, uh, the, he comes home and he's like, oh, man, I can't wait to get home or Thanksgiving. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're going to be sitting at the dinner table with mom and grandma. And you're going to say, pass the fucking mashed potatoes. Because that's just how it's just not normal. Like, you're just not normal anymore. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah. um, I, I mean, I listen, I've not gone to war, but I can't imagine anything more different in my day to day life than war. And you know, tra- training in martial arts and with guys like Tom, you know, you're kind of uh, getting you, you're f- and especially doing logical order of thought. You're kind of forced to look at your your kind of normalcy biases that you have just out right. I- I- in the world where everything is the way it is. And you kind of have to start taking some of that into consideration but that said even doing that i can't i can't really totally i want to and i can try to assume the perspective that you're talking about the closest i can do is like an attempt to empathize but i can't really understand it because i haven't i haven't been through it but if i'm training in martial arts and learning to become hyper vigilant in my day-to-day life i can't really imagine what that would be like if everybody out there was actually intending to kill me right you exactly. know what i mean versus right. like the one out of a million shot that could potentially have me employ some kind of martial arts versus actually actively putting it into action every day. I can't I can't imagine what that's like. And then you add in TBI and and then you just come back here. I can't imagine what a mind screw that would be. Right. Totally. And the the other aspect is 
I mean, it would be harder without a family dealing with it, but it would also be easier because what are the second and third order effects of all of this on, I have six kids, so wife and six kids who, you know, I, I've been, and, and we joke about it now, but it's not always the funniest. Um, we, I was dishing a plate of peas one night and I had the peas in my hand, great big bowl of peas. We had like 10 people at the house. We were getting ready to have this meal. And a windstorm blew this chair over at the front on the front porch. I thought it was like a, a home invasion. That's what I really believed. Right. And I had like a a ladle in one hand and a huge bowl of peas in the other hand. And I'm sprinting towards the front door to smash a bowl of peas and then stab, figure out how can I get this spoon into someone's neck. That's what's going through my head, you know, and it's just, you know, my kids are like, it's just a chair. It's just like, and they're trying to bring me back, you know, from the brink. Um, and, you know, I play it off I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know. But yeah, that's where I went because that's, that's just, you know, my training, all, all of the training, all of the logic of thinking, all of the, I couldn't afford to be behind the step. You know, I need to, and we can get into the OODA loop. I love the OODA loop. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to break their OODA loop and, and, and mess up where they're going with their train of thought. Um, but it wasn't anybody coming in. But I've been in other places where it was, and it's saved my life. Here in the United States, I've come home and, and been in places where it saved me by being so vigilant. Um, but my kids also say, uh, you know, the, uh, it wasn't too long ago, but my, my daughter got a phone call from um, a boyfriend or you know friend, whoever it was, and I heard her say on the phone, oh, no, it's okay. He doesn't sleep. He just waits. And so she told me later that this person had said, oh, I hope I didn't wake up your dad or anything because it was later. And she she told him, no, he, he doesn't sleep. He just waits because I don't really sleep anymore. Like they can come in the room and just I'm awake, you know, and I wake up, you know, um, or I'm downstairs sitting in the dark or, you know, and these are all stories that you'll hear from all kinds of veterans. That it just happens. Like you just don't sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, micro sleep. Um, but, uh, I lost my job. I'm not sure where we were going. With that, well, but, it was how you uh, wound up in Colorado. Right. So, um, uh, was that? It was Virginia. Virginia. Boulder Crest, Virginia. Yeah, Boulder Crest, Virginia. Sorry, so, um, yeah. So my my friend was friends with the guy, and his name is Magnus, and he founded Mission Twenty Two. And I just was, and and my friend is, you know, Special Forces Green, but multiple years of combat, just a real badass. Um, we just were casually talking on the phone. And I I don't know what I said to him, but and he didn't trigger. He didn't say anything. Um. But a couple hours later, this, the founder of Mission 22 called me. And I was like, hey. And he was like, hey, so-and-so said that, you know, he thinks that you could probably benefit from us offering some of our services. And and somewhere, I don't remember how it was worded, um, but I said, hey, well, I'm not suicidal because I'm the kind of guy that if I was suicidal, I would just go do it. And he said, yes, you just basically you just proved my point. What I'm saying is in a couple months, someone will say, hey, remember Mike? Yeah, he killed himself. Right. And because he's right. You know, he knew that. Yeah. Guy, 
guys that do it like that are guys that just do it. It's, you know, it's the permanent solution to a, a, a um, oh man, I lost it. Uh, non-permanent problem. What's the word I'm looking for? Permanent solution to a temporary problem. Right. And uh, so the problem though was the backlog of guys and the funding to pay for any of the treatments is just lacking. It's just, it's not there. So these organizations are struggling to keep money in the hopper because there's so many guys that need the help. And, you know, the, they're finally figure out, figuring out exactly what works to get guys in the pipeline, but the money to pay for it, the seats, the, you know, the seats to get guys in, is just, it's backed up. So eventually, um, you know, they, they gave me some really good, you know, I, I wasn't a big meditation guy, but they gave me these meditation secrets and that helped a lot. And then, um, they have a, a relationship with Boulder Crest and Boulder Crest retreat has it started by Ken Falk. He's a former, uh, EOD guy and they have a place in Arizona and then they have a place in Virginia, and then they have another branch. I think it's in Georgia. It's called Camp Southern Grounds, and they run a program there. And it's a, I think it's a seven days. You're in the you're in the program. You go with um, five other veterans or first responders, and they really don't they don't you don't go through your war porn and talk about all your secret missions and how badass you are. It's a program that gives you, you you get to talk about some stuff, figure it out and get a path to move forward and leave everything behind and kind of figure out what it is that is bothering you. And then they give you, you know, some, you know, some tricks to, you know, figure out how you can kind of break that feeling of everyone's trying to kill you and move forward with kind of a normal family. Uh, And if you open up to it, it is, it is life-changing, man. It is life-changing because you kind of get a grip on, you know, where you were before and what happened to you before and how you were as a person before all these other things, um, you know, really, you know, messed you up and kind of, I joke and say my rods and cones don't match up anymore. Um, uh, knowing that's an eye thing. How hard is just that opening up to it because I know there's an awful lot in my life that I'm just like, no, I'm okay. I've got this. I can deal with this. And, and my instinct is usually to just white knuckle my way through it. Like if I can, if I can get through this minute or day or week, then this won't be an issue again until it is. Obviously I know that that, that dealing with anything in that manner doesn't make the problem go away. You, you get through it and then the problem will come back. Um, but I know there've been so many instances in my life where I've dealt with things that way. And then I've been presented opportunities to like really focus on stuff. And, and it is that, that kind of acceptance and that kind of that moment of going, I'm going to actually do this for everything it is, isn't always the easiest thing to do. Right. And I think, and honestly, um, so here's the other piece of the puzzle I'm going to add in that is pretty, my wife was a cop for like 25 years, might even be 26 years on top of all of this. She was a cop 
So her PTSD also factored in everything. And she's, you know, she is a, she is an alpha female, tough, like any of the guys that I work with. So there was an aspect there that both of us were head down, move forward. And we would say that to each other when it got tough, Yeah, head down, move forward. Um, and, and I remember a time, so <clears throat> a bunch of my teammates were killed in Afghanistan and I was at a different location and months later or weeks later, whatever it was, <clears throat> I go into this office and in the office, um, uh, and keep, I just want to tell this story because this says a lot about the relationship. So keep me on track when I'm done with this story. Yeah. I go into this office and I'm not paying attention to what they're doing, but it's a video of a funeral back home with one of these guys that got killed. And so I come up over the group like, hey, what's going on? And as I come up in to watch, the guy's daughter, who's like six, rushes the coffin. And it's like yelling, you know, screaming, daddy, daddy, goosebumps, daddy, daddy, daddy. And so it just crushed me. Like I was like, yep, I'm fucking done. I, and I went back to my room and I sent an email to my wife and I said, I'm packing up my room. I can't because I associated that with my daughter. Right. That was my daughter running to my coffin. <clears throat> and I was already kind of on the edge anyway. Like I'd been doing it a long time. And. I had racked up the miles and there was a lot of young guys that could come in behind me and take over. And so I sent her an email, said, I'm packing up my room and uh, I'm going to ask for a flight out of here. I'm done. So I started packing up my room and bring, an email comes back and it was one sentence from her. And to this day, if someone is whining in my house, you can hear another, a kid or her or someone will say this sentence. So people will stop whining. And her sentence was, you were trained to be a hero, so act like one. That was it. Wow. So there was no, it'll be okay. There was no, come on, home. It was, you were trained to be a hero, so act like one. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, so I unpacked my gear and I finished out my deployment and, you know, because people were counting on me, you know? Um, so, so that... And one of my favorite quotes is from the Rocky movie about doesn't matter how, how hard you hit, about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. But that was our downfall in our family because we raised our kids that way. She was that way. And I was that way. And what I mean by downfall is we went past the phase line when we needed help. Right. We recognized it and kept pressing forward. And we have <clears throat> a phase line is is the way we use it at work is the phase line is if this, then that. So if all of these things happen by the time we get to that phase line, and a phase line could be a date, a time, a location, whatever you make it. But if we don't do all of these things by the time we get to the phase line, we're going to abort right. and come home. The mission's over. And so whether we had set the phase line or we didn't or whatever, we kept pressing forward. So by the time I got to getting help, like I was about to lose the wife, the kids, the house, the fam. I was going to lose it all just because it just, that's where we were at. So yes, to answer your question before that, no, I would have never gone. Yeah. 
but I was at the point of no return. I surrendered. My back was against the wall. I would take any advice. You know, I would, the only thing I wouldn't do was take meds. Right. Wasn't going to happen. And that was, Um, that was because you had looked at the stats on them. I don't know if I had looked at the stats yet, or I just was that, it was that fat kid, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this myself. Right. I'm not taking meds. I'm going to, I'm going to fix this somehow myself. And, uh, so I'm not, I, at some point, yes, the, the knowing what the meds could do or have done to people, that was part of it. But a lot of it was just, I didn't want to come out different. I didn't want, and she, my wife said this too, is that her fear with meds would be, you know, just no one would be home. Right. You know, I would just be, you know, doped up and then, and then be addicted to whatever meds it was. And, you know, during all this, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm crushing the alcohol again, you know, drinking bourbon, like it was water and, you know, half an oxy, whatever, you know, trying to just like all the other people that do it trying to figure out what's this formula so I can keep being normal. Yeah. So you're trying to put on that mask um, and keep pressing forward, man. Keep that. That was my goal. We're just going to keep pressing. We're going to fly this plane into the ground. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't, doesn't always work. No, but I mean, I think, I think when you're saying that too, and this could be analogous to so many things in life, it's like, I really like the Nassim Taleb kind of anti-fragile stance on people. People are people do better with pressure. I think if you if you don't if you if a, if a person has no pressure, they kind of won't excel. Now, the flip side of that is you can break people too. You know, too much right. pressure and the person breaks and then they don't excel either because they're broken. And, and I look at it with training and diet and stuff like that right now in my life. It's like, I can try to lose all the weight this week. I can work out five, six, seven hours a day and diet in a really extreme manner, but really I'll just wind up hurting myself. Right. You know, so yes, there's right, gotta right. be a, a, a middle ground there. And it's, I, I find that I am often the worst person to recognize where that line is. Right. You know, well, you're now you're kind of heading into the frozen lake. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's really to degree, helpful to, to a have degree, a tribe. Right. That, that is the beauty of, you know, Psy tactical group, PSYOC, STG, Tom Kyer and all the guys, mm-hmm. they, backtrack now to what they've been doing all these years is um training you know the elite military tier one groups elite government units and the the war has been a laboratory for them for whether it's combatives or the lot mindset um you know and and i during all of this i fell back on a lot of that training to kill your clone. I don't want to get into that too, because I have a whole ass, the whole other train of thought on the kill your clone. I haven't even talked to Tom about this, um, but you know the, you know also the, 
you know, thoughts, words, deeds that turn into habits. And, you know, a lot of times you can get off kilter on that, trying to push through. Um, but it also saved, you know, the, getting inside my head and getting a baseline and controlling those thoughts. Um, you know, that, that stuff is, is just huge. But the benefit of PSYOC and what they've been dr- doing is, again, that laboratory of training with these guys for all of these years. And now they can apply it to every aspect of your life. Um, and yeah, so I just, I'm blessed to, to be in that circle. Um, yeah. And, and so finally, I really want to come to kind of nutrition today and go, how, how did you arrive where you're at with nutrition today and how has it affected you? Like, what was the impetus to get you to try to deal with some of this through nutrition? Okay. So I, so during, during all of that, um, the mental, whatever was going on mentally, my outlet became the fat kid again. So in a pretty quick time frame, I probably gained 70 pounds. Um, and so then when I, when I came out of it, like, Hey, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Mentally, I got this under control and, uh, you know, with just everything I, I'd done keto before and had some, you know, some success. Uh, but I just, I stumbled onto this, the carnivore diet. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give this a try. And probably sometime in December, I started kicking it around. And then a little bit after that, I really got serious on it. And my weight dropped pretty quick um, from 270 down to 250s. And now I'm in the 40s. Um, But my mental clarity, uh, anxiety, depression, just all of that cleared up, like not for, you can never say, Oh yeah, it's, it's magic. Cause it's not. Um, but it's, it's just been my go-to thing. And what I've found is I really need a mission in life. And so the mission is now part of that is the eating. Um, I've always been like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu mixed martial arts guy. Of course we can't do that right now because of, you know, the stand down. Um, but I, you know, I got back into kettlebells and the steel mace, you know, doing that in my garage. And, um, and it's just been, it's just been easy because you're just eating beef and water. I'm not a, I'm not a hardcore. I do drink black coffee. Um, and my biggest stumbling block on the carnivore diet is movie popcorn. Honestly, it's not bourbon or ice cream or it's movie popcorn, but all the movie theaters are shut down. So, uh, that's not an issue for me either. Um, but that's the big thing is that it just, uh, it just the mental clarity. That's the big thing. The weight, the weight, you know, any of the weight loss, I know that'll happen because I've been doing it long enough that I know I can figure that formula out no matter what I did. Um, but it was, it was something new and I gave it a try and it's, it's been very effective and, just a good program. Yeah, that's that's wild because that was one of the I talked to Mark Bell about carnivore and he was talking about the mental clarity too. Um 
which I, you know, scientifically, I don't know what that means. If, if there's like, you know, you know, I read parts of the book grain brain and I, I do eat carbs and feel relatively clear headed, especially when I'm in a caloric deficit. But, um, I just have heard a number of times, you know, anecdotally that people do feel better mentally doing carnivore. Right. And I, I didn't know that was an aspect of it. And I looked into it after doing it for a while. And I was like, man, like I really am not having like any anxiety or I don't feel a lot of pressure. Like I, so I used, I was so bad that if we went to a drive through and say, I got the kids a happy meal and they were out of fries and they'd say, pull up, pull up up here and we'll bring it out to you. There were times where I would just drive away. We would sit there for a couple minutes and I would get so much anxiety. Like we were about to get hit. I would just drive away. Like, you can't sit here. We're sitting here too long. And of course the kids are crying in the back. They didn't get their fries or, you know, whatever. And, um, I just, that, that anxiety has just, you know, what is it? I don't know. Is it the carnivore? Is it, I've matured. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it, this seems to be working. And, uh, yeah. And mostly when I think about, you know, I think the origin, the, the way carnivore started was it was an elimination diet. Now I will say for myself, when I am at when I have been in the past at my kind of worst, when it's just that I need, I am desperate for a change, whatever that is, and I need the most strict thing with kind of the the most uh, firm lateral boundaries, you know, that I will not deviate from. To me, it's like as 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 little as possible that I'm in control of is better. So you give me, like you said, beef and water, two things, that's it. That for me sounds like I can control that. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Versus Absolutely. like as I am today where I'm like, I got to weigh my rice and weigh my bananas <laughs> and weigh right. my chicken breasts, you know, and I'm, and I'm, right. it's just a, quite a bit that I have to be responsible for. I know that there is a version of me when I'm struggling where it's like limit. I, I need shit to be in, in vast limitation because I can't be responsible for all of this stuff. It's, it's like, I can't think with all of this stuff. So give me two things that I can control. You know what I mean? Like right, right. If, if you, if, if I'm really struggling with something and I go, well, if I just eat beef and water, I can, I can do that. That's, you know, that's easy, you know, cut well, and, everything else out. And for me, uh, I, I have had no cravings doing this way of eating, which is typically I again, other than movie popcorn, and I think I, I think that's a that's an install from going to the movies. I really do like you know, getting into LOT. I think that's an install from doing that over the years, um, and I just don't give into that. Even alcohol, as you know, you know, probably at some point I was addicted to that. I I have no cravings for alcohol. I have no cravings for now. 
I do occasionally get some of the keto ice cream, so I can't say that. But I don't even know that that's a craving. I think it's just like, oh, it's been a month since I've had keto ice cream. I'm going to have some keto ice cream. Right. Um, but it, I, I have zero cravings. There's nothing I'm craving because uh, if I get hungry, I just make a ribeye. Yeah. So the, the, the popcorn know. thing is interesting to me, too, because I never was a popcorn guy. I was a hot dogs guy. So I would do uh, a, a bunch of hot dogs at the movies. And my wife since childhood was a popcorn person. So she, when she's dieting, doesn't want to go to the movies. And I'm, uh, and I'm yeah. like, it does, what do you mean? We just, <laughs> you know, we sneak food in and what, what difference right, does right. it make? Like, right. I haven't had a hot dog in a long time. And she's like, yeah, but it's not the same. Like I can't sit in a movie theater without popcorn. So I completely understand not from a personal thing, but experiencing that with my wife. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, was there an adjustment period? Cause I know even when I've been off a diet for a long time and then I go on to something like keto, I feel lethargic for a couple of days and then my energy goes back and reading about carnivore. I had read a couple people had, diarrhea issues for a few days and some other stuff. Was there any adjustment or you just felt fine had, from day one? I had no issues. My strength, my cardio, my, I was wide awake. I had, I read about those cause I got one of the, I think I got uh, Dr. Sean Baker's book, which is, I think it's called carnivore diet. Um, I read his book. Now the only time I've had any type of diarrhea issues is I've done it. I did a 72 hour think or 60 hour fast the other day. Right. Um, and my first meal was like a 45 ounce bone in tomahawk ribeye. Oh my God. So I probably, I probably overdid that one a little bit. Cause you know, I went in no exit strategy. Um, and I did have a little bit of issue there, but I, I'm not sure if that was the steak or I was pounding salt water and I might have been putting too much salt in my water, which can cause that as well. Right. Um, Just kind of all goes to liquid at that point. Right. Right. And that really is the only time I really haven't had any, I've had no other, no other issues. Now I do, I have read where people do have those issues. um, And it has to do, I guess it has to do with the amount of uh, digestive acid in your stomach. Um, and so everybody's different, but I, I haven't had, haven't had any, any problems at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Um, I'm on a very kind of, uh, strict regimen until I get, you know, I have these markers, but I do have, um, definitely in the kind of in the back of my head floating around wanting to try all these various things. Like I, I actually want to try carnivore. I want to try uh, a vegan diet. I want to try uh, uh, ketotarian, I think it's called, where you're eating high fat but predominantly vegetable-based stuff. And hmm. then even the doctor who talked about that talked about um, having some grass-fed beef eventually, which seems really like a right turn from uh, right. from vegetarianism, <laughs> certainly. Right. But right. I, I do, I want to, I want to try all these things and just see how I feel. Um, cause I never did through all my diets. There was never really, there was never a carnivore thing I've done. I've done Atkins and keto and low carb and, and, and all those kind of variations, but never 
did I do just beef, you know? Right. Well, yeah, I, you know, you hear all the, I wouldn't say that my wife's all on board because she's, you know, she hears the cholesterol, you know, always the cholesterol is always a concern. And, you know, of course, your cholesterol goes up on this, but they say it's the healthy cholesterol because it's in your blood system. And, but honestly, right now, I'm just going off of how good I feel. And I have no plans of, of breaking off of it and going into anything different, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, why, if you're, if you're, because it's working. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's fantastic, man. Um, all right. Tell, tell us where we can find you. We can follow your okay. journey and, 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 and keep, keep our eyes on this. Okay. Awesome. So, um, so I started now the, the goal of all this, again, it has nothing to do with me. My goal is to give money back to mission 22 and Boulder crest, uh, Virginia. And so I started, it's called carnivore, Mike That's my website, carnivore, Mike Foxtrot.com. Uh, and it's it's just basically right now it's just a t-shirt company that we've got american flag t-shirts we've got beef and water t-shirts i've got actually tom kyer is making me some custom made meat cleavers and knives to sell on the site uh, i've got someone else that's making some uh, custom uh, cutting boards that we're going to get on there eventually and you know the goal is just to give back and because there's there's a line of guys waiting for help and there, you know, there's no money and no room in a lot of these places. And, and I just want to try to make some cash to give back, to get some more veterans and first responders into these seats. Um, mission 22 has a brand new program. They're going to unveil hopefully sometime in May. They're just getting all the final, you know, uh, dot, dotting their I's and crossing their T's before they release it. That's going to be a big deal. And Boulder Crest runs their path program pretty much year round. And they, they run that for veterans and uh, first responders. And they also run a family path where the veteran and first responders can come there with their families after they've gone through the program. Um, and I, I, if I have a couple more minutes, man, I wanted to talk to you about kill your clone, how yeah. the, the, uh, how this business, these businesses. So I also started inside of, Carnivore Mike Foxtrot, I started. It's called Deadly Hands Blood Money, and that's kind of a military line. There's a couple of those shirts on the site too. Uh, we got an E4 Mafia T-shirt on there, and a Viking helmet with night vision goggles, and just just a cool uh, military line dedicated to you know military and, and cops and people that make their money by by using deadly hands or not using deadly hands. Um, but going off to kill your clone. I I just took a different turn on it, and I was thinking, you know, during all this, while everybody's at home, all of this has come about while I've been at home and off work because um, nobody's working. And if if I had to fight my clone every night, I was thinking to do this right to win, I need to become the villain because. To fight yourself, I know what I'm going to do as me. Right. And inherit inheritantly, we're good. But I needed to become the villain to beat my clone every night. And, you know, I, again, people mistake what kill your clone means. It doesn't necessarily mean shooting or combatives or driving or anything. It can be anything. It can be poetry or, and, uh, 
to take it to the next level, I had to go a completely different route. And that's how these companies were born. I was like, you know, you keep talking about self-talk. You keep talking about wanting to give back to these people that helped you. So do something about it. And, um, it's just a completely different avenue. I have no idea what I'm doing entrepreneurially. Really. Uh, I got the site up. I got the stuff going and selling the other day. I literally printed out a picture of a Viking helmet and printed out a set of nods and I had scissors and tape and I was cutting nods and MVGs and taping onto this picture of a Viking helmet and taking pictures and emailing those to an artist saying, Hey, this is what I wanted to look like. And just complete duct tape and bubble gum, uh, trying to make this thing work and, uh, you know, just see where, see where it goes and, uh, keep pressing forward with it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you supporting me and bringing me on here and talking to me about it. And, you know, you're an inspiration, man. I, I, I have people and I know people that talk about you and where you've been and, um, and it's, uh, you know, the Titans movie we show, uh, I, I help with a youth group and we show that movie to the youth groups. Um, so just so you know, we show that a couple times a year to this youth group I help with. And, uh, yeah, just don't forget, you need to make sure you don't forget your legacy <sighs> and what you're, what you're doing, brother. Cause a lot of times you forget who you're going to, who you're going to impact and years from now, you may never know, but you know, you're doing some good work and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good deal. Yeah. I think honestly, I, it, it is partially selfish too doing this, talking about it, tr- trying to bring any kind of awareness to it at all. A- anything in this area is like just a kind of another way to keep myself accountable, you know? Right. Awesome. And make it important that way. Carnivore Mike. Thank you so much, yep. brother. Thanks, Ethan. No, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll check in with you again. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks, brother. And now for some Q&A. This question comes from JT. He writes, it's taken a while to finally take the leap and change my way of thinking. When you took the first step towards food appropriation, did anxiety hit you? Meaning, did you get overwhelmed or get the feeling of missing out? If you did... How did you combat that? I feel like a healthy mindset is as helpful a tool as anything, and it's hard to get past the mental anxiety I feel. Any pointers? Thanks for the question, JT. Yeah, I, w- I will say I I remember mostly this feeling happening w- towards the beginning when I would do really extreme diets, and and I would get a physical sensation but also this mental anxiety of uh, almost just uh, feeling like things were being taken away from me. And they were. Food was being taken away from me a number of times. I, I, I was setting these limits myself, but I, I know, I, I think that that's the feeling you're talking about. Um, you know, uh, I would just get through it kind of a moment at a time when that feeling would get really strong. I would tell myself that this is a moment in time and this feeling will not last forever. And that, that would be true. Eventually that feeling would go away. Um, sometimes I would go out for a walk and look around and, and kind of reground myself or do some exercise or move around or find something I could be in control of because I, f- I feel like it's that um, that feeling of powerfulness and being in control of something can mitigate that feeling of anxiety. That's what I've found for myself. 
Um, but yeah, I, I totally, totally can relate to that. But now when I diet, it's, I'm not doing anything that extreme. And when I go into a, a cutting uh, phase of my diet, it's not the same feeling. Th- the, that feeling I remember associating w- with very extreme diet. I don't know how extreme of a diet you're doing, but I have found uh, I don't get that feeling anymore. Now, it could also be that I've been dieting for so long that I've just um, beaten that feeling. But my diet now is the reductions are not so massive that that I feel like that anymore. But if you have a huge amount of weight to lose and you're going to do something really extreme and or even if you don't, if you're feeling that way and your diet isn't that extreme, you can get through that moment. You can go for a walk. You can look around. You can you can write about it. I found writing about this stuff and, and just getting my feelings out of my head and onto a piece of paper, that's also helpful. That's what I would recommend. Thanks for your question, JT. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, you can submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.